Welcome to Fill to Flourish with Luke and Lauren, where emotional health takes a stage and your story matters. We are thrilled to announce that Lauren and I are launching a global virtual therapy practice. We'll be specializing in trauma healing and brain retraining for those suffering from the effects of chronic stress and trauma in their bodies and minds. We'll begin seeing clients in May. So if you're interested, head over to our newly launched social media pages and our website, flourishtherapy.co, to learn more or join the waitlist. We'll be sure to put the links in the descriptions of this episode and share more information in future episodes. Hey, everyone. It's so nice to be back with you. Luke and I are sharing this week. We don't have a guest because we want to share with you one of our favorite topics concepts, practices that has dramatically changed our lives and the lives of so many of our clients. It is this idea of regulating your nervous system. And this is a huge topic, huge. Um, We interweave it with every other thing we're talking about, honestly. Um, And you can see in everything we write about and what we talk about but we're going to focus today on kind of the the details and the mechanics of um, regulating your nervous system and the different states of your nervous system. So we're super excited. We're going to we're going to try to make it as personal as we can, it's like what it feels like to us and kind of put words to it to make it more accessible for you. Also give a few different um, analogies that help people understand regulation better. And by the end of this episode, we're just sure that you're going to have such a better picture of this world of regulation. Am I overselling? No. <laughs> I think that's our hope, at least. That's our hope. You never think, Lucas like believed in me. So um, the other day, this is a funny story. So the other day at a meal, I was like, you know, those little kids that think their dad could like lift a house, like they just have this perception of my dad's the strongest man in the world. He could beat anyone or he could carry anything. Well, I told Luke that I actually kind of feel that way about him, even though my cognitive brain as an adult is like, that's not possible. Everyone has a maximum of what they could carry. And like, he's not a power lifter. He's strong. He's tough. He's muscular, but he can't lift like a refrigerator by himself. Like in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, he can do it. He can totally do it. So I was just telling him that. (laughs) And um, what did you say? I don't remember. You said that you ironically think I can do everything as well, but not in like the physical strength sense, but like, oh, if you have an idea or a project that you just have no doubt that I'll do it even mm-hmm. though that's not logical too, because I also have limits, but our kids were laughing about that. Yeah, it was, that was funny. It was good. Yeah. But good. I mean, you do kind of have ideas and just make things happen a lot though. I do. And you do fix things and lift things. And like, we have these perceptions for a reason, mm-hmm. right. but we also do have limits. Like some of my ideas are crap and they just blow up in our face. So <laughs> That happens too. It does happen sometimes. You've Anyways. Got a, you got a good percentage, winning percentage so far though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's too funny. Well. So nervous system regulation. Yeah, let's. This, um, this is an exciting um, conversation because I think it is so powerful and so empowering. 
as you understand, like we talk a lot about learning the language of your nervous system, because our nervous system is constantly giving us feedback, giving us information of what's what we have experienced and what we are experiencing and the connection of those two. Yeah. So sometimes we just don't listen or not on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, so we interpret things as threatening or scary or out of control. And really it's just information that our body's given us saying, hey, this is what's going on. We need to do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's really empowering when we are able to see how our nervous system communicates to us and then learn that, oh, I have some control to work with my nervous system rather than being overcome by it and the yeah. response, the reactions. And so, yeah, but by the end of the this episode, I'm hoping that, I think that they'll at least feel empowered as, as you're listening. So in that empowerment, a little tiny slice of education will be helpful. Um, this whole theory of nervous system regulation uh, originally comes from the, something called the polyvagal theory. And Stephen Porges is the, the, I think he's a doctor, right? I think so. I can't so. remember his qualifications, um, if he's a psychologist or a doctor, an MD. But anyways, he, he um, realized the different states of the body and the nervous system. And he's been talking and teaching on this for years. And um, someone came along, Deb Dana. She has several um, books and trainings. Um, but this book we really love, it's called Anchored. It's her newest book. And she kind of took the really clinical heady stuff that Stephen Porges um, kind of built around this in this polyvagal theory. And she puts it to really user-friendly use. And so we really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, that's what we want to do. Obviously, we're not researchers, but um, being in the field of actually working with people, we want to make this field of regulation accessible and understandable yeah. because if it's all just these really heady concepts, how's that going to impact your day-to-day? How's that actually going to give you a bigger window of tolerance where mm-hmm. your body can um, regulate and not feel so out of control all the time? It's not. Right. So hopefully this episode will help give you those, those tangible, understandable um, data points to make sense of this. Yeah, and the importance of understanding it because it's being activated constantly and and affecting how you're experiencing everything. Right, regardless of if you know the word regulation, you have a nervous system that is daily second, tiny millisecond by millisecond interpreting data in your environment and giving you a sense of safety or unsafety. This is mm-hmm. continue, t- continually happening. Yeah. So let's start off with what are the three states? Yes, the three primary states. Okay. So first state where we are able to interact and connect with people uh, is called safe and social. Uh, the next state is called sympathetic state. And so that's where we feel that fight or flight response. So we feel stressed, we feel anxious, heart racing, breathing shallow. And then the third one is shutdown. And that's um, where we feel shut down. So that may feel a lot 
lethargic, depressed, like a brain fog, fuzzy thinking, um, hard to connect thoughts, or maybe you're connecting thoughts, but you feel like you just can't even speak the words. Um, you feel heavy, your body feels heavy, um, just like it's frozen. Maybe frozen is a bad word because it can get confusing with <laughs> another state, a mixed state, um, but just like very heavy. Paralyzed. Paralyzed, that's a good word. Mm -hmm. um, and lethargic. Um, so those are the three main states. So from a polyvagal theory, the vagus nerve is the largest cranial nerve and it starts at the base of your brainstem and goes all the way down to the base of your um, spine and then branches off to almost every uh, organ in your body. And so it's very important. And it's constantly taking information from your body to your brain, from your brain to your body. The top of it is, of that vagus nerve is where it's controlled that safe and social nervous system state. And so that affects access to your facial expressions. Um, it affects your tone of voice. It affects the muscles in your ear and what tone that you're narrowing in on. So if you're safe and social, you're looking for uh, like the mid-tone range. range of invitation and happy and fun and is looking for that to create a story. Um, but it's like, I'm safe. So I'm listening and looking for these, that range. Um, it also gives you ex a range of expressions of smiling, of happy, uh, kind of softens your, your face. And it gives you access to a vocal recipro uh, reciprocity. No, vocal prosody. Vocal prosody. Thank you. Uh, where it's like a, more of a singing when you're talking, you have a flow to your to your to your voice rather than a monotone. Um, so that's like the safe and social. So let's just talk about that. So this is why um, you can be in a conversation, you know, you've probably heard for years, oh, body language is way more communication than words. It's like 90%. This is why, because when you're in a conversation with someone, your nervous system is detecting their nervous system state. It's like this um, honing device that can really hone in and figure out where they're at. So they could be saying the perfect words and yet you will sense a, maybe a little bit of a flat affect, or you will sense a fake smile. You, you can't even, it's imperceptible if you were to point to what it is, but you can look at them and tell if they're being genuine, if they're actually seething with anger underneath their proper smile, um, if they're shut down and disconnected from their body. So yes, they're sitting there right in front of you saying the, maybe even the right things, but they're gone. Their eyes have a, a blankness to them. All of that is interaction um, in the nervous system with the vagus nerve in the facial muscles and tendons and uh, facial organs. Yeah. And this is uh, absolutely fascinating that so much can be communicated just there. And so if you're in safe and social, you're giving off that safe and social messages of yeah. I'm safe, let's connect. And your body's looking for that. 
But like Lauren was saying, if the, if the person you're talking to doesn't have those safe and social expressions, then your body moves from that safe and social to a protective right. uh, state of the sympathetic or shutdown. Yeah. Um, and just to, just to clarify, it's all autonomic, yes. meaning it's involuntary. So that's why even they're trying to show they're okay, but their internal autonomic nervous system is telling a different story mm -hmm. and you're picking up on that. So these are all happening on a subconscious, uh, subconscious level. Yeah. yeah. And like your body is interpreting the messages that you're picking up in 0 0.05 seconds. So it's picking it up and creating meaning mm -hmm. that quickly. So yeah. before you're conscious of it, your body's already feeling, ooh, something's off here. Or, ooh, I feel so comfortable with this person. Hmm. This person yeah. feels so safe. And your shoulders drop and relax. All of that is happening on an autonomic nervous system. And it, that's the information that's going back and forth in the vagus nerve of mm -hmm. telling it, this is what you're feeling. This is the meaning that we're making based on previous experiences. So this is the state that you need to go into. Uh, I think it was Stephen Porges that said, it's, it's maladaptive to be in a safe and social state if you're not feeling safe and social. That, that's not a quote, but- If, um, you're, not, if you're not safe. Yeah, if you don't maladaptive feel safe, to... it's maladaptive to be in that safe and social state. Mm -hmm. um, so- your body will let go into that protective state if it's not feeling safe. Yeah. And so can what we does safe and social look like for you? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Let's describe that more before we talk about the survival states. Yeah. Um, so for me, safe and social, um, I just feel a, uh, what I would have considered peace. Like my body feels at ease. My muscles don't feel heightened and alert. They just feel totally neutral. Mm -hmm. um, I feel open and curious. Um, I have access to hope. Mm -hmm. Things don't feel dark and hopeless. I have a reasonable access to hope, depending on the situation. Um, you know, what it what would be reasonable hope in that situation. I feel light. I feel happiness mm -hmm. um like where do you feel lightness i feel that might be a weird question but i i know where i feel the lightness yeah i think i probably feel that in my chest there's like an openness yep. and not a constriction and not a heavy heaviness there um, my breathing feels unforced mm -hmm. um i feel like i can enjoy things more things feel more hd mm -hmm. um this has taken time to cultivate too, but flowers look more beautiful. The sunset looks more vibrant. Um, I'm able to enjoy little moments like holding your hand or feeling, feeling a hug from one of my kids. Like I'm able to be more in the experience. I'm yes. more embodied, more present, and safe and social, more present, more there. My thoughts feel like they're going at a, a mm -hmm. more, um, an average moderate pace they don't feel shut down and clouded they don't feel ramped up and spastic um, yeah. 
I'm excited. I, I could have uh, openness to adventure or to trying something new. Um, I can see people in a, in a light that doesn't feel harsh. Like I'm able to look at a situation with balance, like understanding why they may have done what they did. And um, also, you know, just not seeing people as uh, enemies. Um, may, that doesn't mean I'm going to tolerate their behavior necessarily, but able to just see people in a less um, reactive way when I'm in safe and social. Yeah. Like yeah. even you talking about it, I feel myself like just relaxing and like wanting to smile and just Maybe. enjoying listening to you talk about enjoying life. Like it's contagious. Like, um, and that's called like, and there's a scientific word of neuroception. My that message and that meaning that I'm picking up is my neuroception is picking up on, oh, she's safe. Oh, yeah, listen to what she's talking about. And then, oh, I, yeah, feeling that deep breath. I'm feeling the openness. Um, it's feeling relaxed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love so what that. what does it feel like for you? Yeah, I love, that's a little bit what it feels like. Um, just that access to the softness of my face, mm. smiling, the access to like be able to take a deep breath. Like when I'm feeling safe and social, I just want to like, oh, it just feels so cleansing. Um, yeah. Opening up my chest, like just opens up my chest. Um, I, feel, I feel that lighter and openness in my chest. I don't feel the tension in my shoulders and neck. Um, the thoughts, yeah, they're just, it's like they're passing by, but they're not overwhelming. And it's also not, it's not a, a slow fogginess and it's not a fast, overwhelming fogginess. It's just, hmm, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, being able to be more in the present in the moment, see people, uh, just like enjoy like our kids, the beauty, nature, the sounds of like this morning was raining and just being able to listen to the rain and not jump up and run off to start my day. Um, but just being able to be in the moment. And in that safe and social state is also where our bodies heal. Yeah. And I think that's also just a really important part of um, the importance of being able to learn how to get anchored and that safe and social, because we're going to get pushed out of that safe and social, be dysregulated, but learning how to come back into it so you can spend time and let your body feel safe, heal, mm-hmm. recover, rest. That's the difference between going on vacation and being stressed about it and going mm-hmm. and coming back and like, ah, oh, man, I feel like I just worked another six months and I was mm-hmm. supposed to help me relax. That's because your nervous system state wasn't able to get back into the, wasn't able to access safe and social enough. Yeah. You were still stressed. Um, so you weren't able to recover and, and heal. Right. Um, yeah. It's different than just um, relaxing. Like you could have a very relaxed life. Like don't do much. Don't have a lot of work on your plate. Uh you know, do a lot of entertaining things, movies, video games, 
But if you're not in the safe and social state, um, you can actually be doing nothing and still be in a survival state. So um, it's less about what you're doing and more about what's happening on the inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's more noticing your body's experience in the moment. Yeah. That's what we call embodiment. It's, it's not just watching a movie and, and disconnecting and dissociating and not being present. Yeah. It's watching the movie and and letting your body experience the joy of watching a movie mm-hmm. or going on a walk, not just going on a walk for exercise, but going on a walk to exercise and enjoy your body and notice what your body's doing on that walk and experiencing mm-hmm. on that walk. So it's a very much a present embodied experience that can that gives that extra health benefit, mm-hmm. emotional benefit, mental health benefit, psychological benefit, physiological benefit. Um, across the board, totally. Across the board. And just just so you know, as you're hearing this, you might be feeling some discouragement rising as you realize this state is very foreign to you. Um, we work with a lot of people that say, I'm not sure I've ever been in that state yeah. or I don't really have a good idea of what it feels like. I've only experienced it here and there. And that is so discouraging to realize you've lived X amount of years on this earth and this the prime state of the human nervous system, you've experienced very little. It's a huge loss. There's grief there, there there's pain there. And there might even be shame. You might think, what, what is wrong with me? Like Luke and Lauren are talking about this state and I just do not experience that. So just so you know, for us personally, this has only been the last couple of years of our lives yeah. that we even started to gain access to having experiencing this state this is very new for us um and this is why we're so passionate about it because we both in our own ways lived disembodied lives our entire lives um i relate well let's talk about the other states and then we can tell yeah. we connect with more yeah. um so the next is um sympathetic state and the part of the vagus nerve that controls the sympathetic state is part in your chest. So it controls your heart, your lungs. And so this is where you feel that fight or f- flight response. Um, so if you feel, so if your neuroception is you're picking up that someone's not safe and social, but maybe even harmful in that moment or in relation to experiences you've had in past, your body's like, okay, I remember feeling this, this wasn't good. You need to either fight or flight. And so it sends your body full of stress hormones of cortisol and- um, Adrenaline. Adrenaline, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I know this. Um, (laughs) And your body prepares for a physical altercation um, as if someone was attacking you or someone was chasing you. Um, But a lot of times you're just like sitting at a table or sitting in the car or trying to go to sleep, trying to go to sleep, writing an email. And all of a sudden your body is flooded with a stress and you feel so threatened and so unsafe. You feel shaky and jittery and your thoughts start racing and your breathing starts getting shallow and you're just feeling, Oh my gosh, like, I don't want to do this. I, and here you start, your thoughts aren't 
hopeful and dreaming of future and adventure. It's like survival. What do I need to do? And it might be, I need to run away. I need to avoid, I need to, I'll do this later. I can't finish this. I need to distract myself. So that's that fight, that flight energy. It might be fight or, oh, they're going to, I'm going to tell them off. They're going to hear from me. And you want to just feel this desire to, to fight. That's just your body saying, it doesn't mean that you're an angry, aggressive person. That's your body saying, in order to survive in this situation, what we have learned is this is the best response to keep you safe. And so it prepares your body to, for battle. Yeah. And so in this state, our body is full of, it's filled with this energy to do this action. Um, I, I heard it explained kind of like somebody pulls in front of you, you're driving when someone pulls in front of you, your body has this response of flight. So you get this energy, you turn the steering wheel extremely fast and avoid the car or the person. That's why it has to be happening in 0.05 seconds because you have to have that reaction. And your body gave you the energy to make sure that you got out of that situation and you use that energy. Your body's like, whew, you, I gave you the energy, you use the energy. Now I have to breathe and relax before I feel safe and social again. But what if you're writing an email and you have that same feeling? And so you're just sitting here and you're just typing. You don't actually do anything. Your body's like, you have this energy, you need to get rid of it. You're feeling scared, you're feeling threatened, but you're not. You don't have, you're not having to move. You don't have to run away from anybody. You don't have to find anybody. And you're writing this email and you're still feeling scared. You feel still feeling threatened. Then you write the email and then you're waiting. You're waiting for this email, the response to this email. So you're still feeling threatened. So your body still says you're not safe. Here's the energy you need just in case when it's ready, it's unpredictable, but we have to be ready. So what, what happens to all that energy that your body's given you to release and turn that steering wheel or run away or fight, but you don't have to. Right. That all the energy gets stored in your body. And makes you feel the terrible way that you feel. <laughs> yes. And your brain starts looking, becoming hypervigilant and saying, I don't know when this danger is coming, but it's coming. So let's look for it. So when, when we're in this state, rather than looking for connection, we're looking for threat. That's right. So the, the muscles in our ears change to look for the more of the lower tones, the threatening tones. Um, and so we're, we're looking for it. We're hearing it. We're looking for the facial expressions and we're seeing who's not, we're more hypervigilant and misinterpreting even, maybe even these messages because we have this negative bias. Our brains have this negative bias especially in this hypervigilant dangerous state. And so we're reading and we're looking for that danger so that your body's like, we have to find any danger possible because you're not safe. Mm -hmm. So let's look for it. Mm -hmm. And so you're looking, you're becoming a little bit more irritable because you're not feeling safe and you're feeling attacked by everybody, feeling more agitated because you have all of this energy building up and you're feeling not comfortable. You're feeling overwhelmed. Um, and you're feeling scared. Yeah. All that, you're also 
building stress and tension. Your body's being, getting inflamed because it's feeling threatened and having all these stress hormones flooded for extended period of times. And in the short term, this is a appropriate response to true danger. So our survival states are not like bad airs um, that just, yeah. oops, this happened. They developed very intentionally to keep uh, our species alive, yeah. but it's supposed to happen and then go down, happen and then go down. You're not supposed to live in this continuous state of survival uh, stress and energy in your body. So like Luke's describing these physiological things that start beginning to happen to your body when you're in this survival state, often being triggered into it, when you are in it and stay in it for years, mm-hmm. what happens is the impact of the stress response not turning off is chronic pain and chronic illness begin to develop because the effects of that potent survival stress and energy in the systems of your body begin to dysregulate everything. So the hormonal system dysregulates. The inflammatory mechanisms are no longer balanced. Um, Certain genes are switched on. If you look at the field of epigenetics, our genes are not a fixed code. There are genes on top of our genes that turn on and off depending on, uh, essentially depending on our environmental stressors. And so all of these changes begin to happen in the systems of the body um, because of the stress response never turning off. Hmm. Um, and that's when a- after years of that, or sometimes even a short period of that, if it's really, really intense, can be enough to trigger. Um, people will start developing in these chronic health conditions, uh, conditions, chronic pain, um, PTSD, anxiety disorders, these very per- persistent concerns that make life very hard to function with. And it's the, it's the buildup of the, the effects of a body that's not designed to be in uh, survival stress mode. It's not designed to stay there. And because yeah. of um, childhood traumas, um, environmental situations out of our control, being powerless, um, uh, harmful situations, unsupportive situations, neglect, because of these things, the body shifts into that stress response state and then it stays there. And our work is helping people um, turn that stress response off in the body and the beautiful repair that the nervous system and body do when the stress response is down. Like Luke said, safe and social is where we heal. It's where we restore and repair. But if you're never in that place, how does your body ever heal? How do you recover? So um, just wanted to show there's acute effects, day-to-day, moment-to-moment effects, and then those long-term effects of being in a survival state. And like we said earlier, it's it's maladaptive for your body to go in a safe and social if it doesn't feel safe. Right. And so if it is feeling unsafe because of all your story and experiences, that says you haven't felt safe, you haven't been safe, we need to be hypervigilant, then it would be wrong for your body to say, you're not safe, but let's let's go to safe and social. Yeah. We have to learn to help our bodies feel safe, help our bodies find safety, find environments that are safe, find people that are safe, 
and then also even being safe for yourself because mm -hmm. like we also have those inner critics of that we've adapted we've learned adaptations to people please to um be perfectionistic and all of that is stressing our body of oh you didn't do it right good job luke you're such ah, such a failure your body feels that stress that criticism that condemnation that judgment and so you become not a safe place for your body so your body is constantly like okay i don't want to fail luke so let me be hyper vigilant make sure that luke is perfect mm -hmm. okay well you screwed up there fix that and so it's constantly criticizing you in order to because it feels like it needs to help you survive being perf being perfect is where you find safety but say maladaptive adaptation where you experience some sort of safety in your life of oh my, my parents could accept me when i was perfect they didn't do it well but at least they weren't yelling at me or at least they paid attention to me when i was perfect so your body now experiences that as safe but you're not safe and you're only hyper vigilant in order to chase that safety and so it's even learning how to be compassionate on yourself like whew, yeah you're, you're you struggled today but it's okay you're human you made that mistake but who doesn't make mistakes <laughs> you're not perfect or yep you you're learning and it's just having that compassion and as lauren was talking i was even reminded we won't go into this but even generational trauma affects us and so maybe you say like oh i had a good childhood or i've had this problem since i was a kid like i i didn't really experience that much before i was one well i could also what did your parents experience yes what did their parents experience it's like there's epigenetics but there's also trauma gets stored in our genes and passed down and so that's just when i heard that that kind of just made my brain kind of explode a little bit but there's a lot of research out for that too so just this, this all this information is not to shame you or make you feel hopeless or powerless but just a language to understand oh my body is responding the way it's supposed to or way it's interpreting that it's supposed to how can i work with my body to reprogram it so yeah. that it can find safety accurately so i can reprogram my neuroception that compass that says where is safety with trauma safety says perfectionism let's reprogram it give that new information that actually safety is over here and as we work with our bodies it it can become a true north of what safety is were you going to say something hun i i think that you're passionate about um healing <laughs> maybe just a little bit just a little bit almost every day we just look yeah. at each other and say like this is the best work ever mm, like this work yeah. matters so so much and i just always hear it when you talk about how um how these processes work and how rewiring is possible it's your passion is is so real and we need it um so what is the state what does sympathetic activation feel like for you Oof. um for me it feels like racing thoughts um it feels very kind of like on the edge 
just very agitated, irritable, um, white knuckling, like trying to hold it together, but being on the edge of losing my mind. Um, I, I feel like, like my skin is crawling. I just can't, I don't feel comfortable in my body. Uh, I feel jittery and agitated, um, restless, um, don't have access to like play. Yeah, I'm just more serious. Um, I'm more negative. Um, I'm like pessimistic, not very hopeful. I see all the issues and problems that are here, real and perceived and hopeless. And like, and this isn't gonna change unless this, this, and this happens. And I have to do, do this, this, and this, but I can't do this and this. I feel overwhelmed by this, this, and this. And it's it just heart racing, shallow breathing. It is just an unpleasant <laughs> experience when you're there for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. For you. <clears throat> uh, something I've, I've just kind of noted lately is I almost feel like when I'm in sympathetic, I almost feel like, like there's something behind me, like a, a force just kind of pushing me, like the urgency and um, pressure of the now in sympathetic. Yeah. It's very strong for me. Everything feels catastrophically not right, right now. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel a tightness in my chest. Like I yes. can't, I can't take a full breath. Um, I get tension, tightness up my heat, ache, tension up my neck and my back into my yeah. head. I'll often get a headache if I spend too much time in sympathetic. Um, I used to grind my teeth a lot, which was a symptom of sympathetic. Uh, insomnia is often very common when you're in sympathetic a lot. Yeah. Um, I feel like my, this is funny, but if I'm sitting, I feel like my legs will be tense and I'll Mm -hmm. notice it and I'll just like, let them go. Um, but that's usually like, I'll start getting tense, I guess, from the top and the, in the bottom of my body, the tension will just rise together and feeling like that, um, that like stuck pressured ball inside your chest that you just can't escape. Like nothing will ease it. It feels like, um, and the thoughts and the worries and the pressure yeah. and the impending. Yes. Um, all yeah. Of <laughs> all of it. <laughs> because humans have the same nervous systems, we can relate to those states. We all can, even if we experience different ones more often, we can always relate. Yeah. Um, I also, as, as you were talking, remembered I, one for me. I see this common with a lot of people of, of being very reactive. Like if I feel very stressed and overwhelmed and you're like, hey, babe, can you do this? It's just like, what? <laughs> How could you ask me to do this? <laughs> and it becomes like a, a, like, it's not an invitation for connection or for help. It's a, like, it's an invitation to be a failure and to, like, I want you to be overwhelmed and I want you to fail. So I'm going to give you one more thing <laughs> to do. <laughs> it's, 
and I see this a lot with people and it's just like looking back on that I'm like oh wow that was just really sympathetic yeah because my neuroception based on my story is you're trying to set me up for failure yeah and so you're the enemy so I would kind of take my frustration out on you and just like why would you do this to me yeah um so there's that that aspect of it too of just feeling like everybody's against you or out to get you or people aren't safe Seeing that change. sorry that's okay because you're you're in your your nervous system is looking through a lens of an old lens of what people used to treat you and how to interact with you and where you could find safety and so that was a lens i was looking through mm-hmm. so what were you saying just seeing that lens change has been um incredible like like when you when you live with someone who has a small window of tolerance, that's what Luke's describing, very easily yeah. pushed into overwhelm, very yeah. easily dysregulated. Um, when you live with someone like that, you learn to uh, walk on eggshells because you don't, if you if you care for them, um, you don't want to overwhelm them. And if you have codependent tendencies like I do, um, which I'm also had so much progress in, I'm very proud of that but you really cater to their overwhelm and their window of tolerance. And so you kind of, oh, I'll ask when this, I'll ask then, and maybe maybe things won't feel so frustrating then or so overwhelming, so maybe he'll say yes. But now that your window of tolerance is so much bigger and you're regulated so much more often, it's just so fun to be like, hey, I need this done. And there's no, it's just, it is what it is. I had a request, you've heard the request, you gladly did the request like it's so much less messy mm-hmm. and when we're in those survival states that's when it gets all that's when a tiny thing can turn into a massive explosion yeah I just had a really good insight that just fleeted oh the next third stage is uh, shutdown so that the part of the vagus nerve that controls shutdown is is down in your stomach abdomen area um so this all so in shutdown we feel very hopeless we feel very powerless um we feel like what we feel now is never going to change there's life sucks life is hard and that's just the reality of it is and we have no power to change it and so we feel very depressed. We feel very lethargic. Um, we don't feel very motivated. We don't have a lot of energy. We could sleep, could sleep for, take a two hour nap and feel like we need another nap. And our body's just saying, when we go to shut down, our body's giving us the message that this is, it's not that we're broken, but this is the best. We have learned that this is the best option for this situation this isn't safe so we're not going to go to safe and social we're going to isolate and you can't fight it and you can't get away from it we've tried that or it's just not possible so our nervous system shuts down and says this way we don't have to feel the pain that you're experiencing so it's an adaptation to say this is big this is heavy this is hard and we have no tools to deal with it So let's dissociate, let's just cut off 
and when we cut off the bad, we also have to cut off the good. We yeah. can't, there's not a switch for bad emotions and good emotions. It's emotions, boom. And so that's why we don't have access to hope and possibilities and we don't pursue connection because it's the only thing safe is to be alone and to not feel. Mm-hmm. And there's no hope because hope is threatening hope and it's just that there's that's an emotion that you just your body's like we can't do that we can't handle this so let's just shut it all down it's a scary place to be it's a hard place to be Mm do you have anything to to say about that one yeah Um, you know you explained that really well um the it really is a place of immobilization um sympathetic is considered a mobilized state of survival and shutdown is considered an immobilized state of survival. And like Luke said, they both serve different purposes. So if sympathetic's not cutting it for you, or if you've been in it for so long and your body's Mm -hmm. just like done, it cannot keep generating all that sympathetic survival energy. It will drop you down into shutdown and you will experience a deep, dark depression, or it might look like burnout. Some people would call it burnout. Some people would call it adrenal fatigue. Uh, There's many social cultural names for this, but essentially it's an immobilized nervous system. And um, a caveat here is it doesn't necessarily mean you're in a dark bedroom alone. Mm -hmm. Some people live in a place of shutdown and work their nine to five, even maybe go out for drinks, Um, have social responsibilities that they complete, but they are disconnected and disembodied in a way that they're there, but they're not fully there. They're, Mm -hmm. They're functioning in this kind of robotic state of being human because the days when they had access to their emotions were, were far too painful. So it's again, the adaptation of finding a new way. So it's like a person that is emotionally disconnected. Yeah. So if you're in a relationship with somebody, it's that they don't have access to emotion. They don't meet you on that level of emotions. They don't share emotions. They don't have capacity for your emotions. Um, there's even going out and having drinks might be a sign of disembodied, of, of like shut down because alcohol is going to help you numb those emotions and those feelings. Yeah. So they can go to work and function but they're not feeling anything. And yeah. it, once they start feeling something, they medicate it yeah. and shut it off. And I, I would say that I've seen people even create like a persona over that shutdown mm-hmm. truth, like where they really are, their core is actually shut down, but they have this like veil of a persona over it because the world doesn't want to see flat-faced shut down immobilized people the world wants you to show up with energy for your job and excitement to get this project done and oh yeah my life is so great these are my friends yada 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 so so someone can very much if this is yourself if you're connecting to this at all you can have a persona that seems okay because humans are amazingly adaptive we can we can play the part that we need to play but on the outside, when you strip off that persona that you that socially accept you, on the inside, you're gonna 
come face to face with where your nervous system is actually at. And it may very well be completely immobilized um, with little access to emotion. So um, those are the two primary survival states is sympathetic and shut down. And then safe and social is the, the state of human flourishing. This is the state of regulation. Um, and maybe we'll talk about the mixed states another time so we don't confuse people too much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a good idea. So shutdown for me feels, um, I can definitely, like, I felt that shutdown of, like, I'm f- frozen, no thoughts are coming in my brain, I can't move. I can't even verbalize what I need or what I think. And it's just it's very heavy and not able to access a whole lot. Um, and then I've also kind of like you were just describing, lived that life of working, I'm going to school, um, being a decent husband and dad, but I have no access to what's going on inside of me. Mm. Um, I get a very small window of tolerance, so I get overwhelmed quickly and try to medicate it, um, try to shut it down. Um, and I was like jumping from sympathetic to shut down frequently. So no access to social, safe and social, almost, almost no, but just um, finding ways to even maladaptive ways to jump me out of that shutdown to just function. So then I was in sympathetic and just irritable, but just, yeah, very, very disconnected of what's going on inside of me, what I'm feeling, no, very little emotional language. Um, I would say early on, hard to be emotionally present with you. Like, I remember you were just like, you're here, but you're not here. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm physically here holding you listening to you um but it was there was like a wall there of like i can't access what i'm feeling and it was almost like a shutting down again um i I was able to move and be present and even say some things but there was still it was a very flat affect Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what it would look like for me yeah and just you spent a lot of time there and how helpful this would have been to know that that's what you were experiencing because it was such an isolating experience for you. And then as a spouse, I would just be frustrated because it's like, where'd you go? Like, you're not here in this conversation. We have this problem to solve and you are a million miles away and I can see it in your eyes. Um, We just didn't know. And I have so much compassion for those older versions of us because Mm, it was yeah. like trying to have a relationship without the language of relationship or, or humanness. Yeah. We just didn't know. Yeah. yeah I, I, as you say that, I just remember conversations we would have where you'd have, it was like, I interpret it as like a criticism of me and I just shut down. Mm-hmm. Like in those times I would like, I get flat affect. And I was like, I could see you, but there was no thoughts going on it was just yeah terrified of of rejection 
And so you're like, we need to have this conversation. We need to talk about this. And I was just like, too much, shut down. And, and that scared you. It was just like, it was like system overload. <laughs> In order to not explode, just shut down. You can't yeah. feel this. Yeah. Um, I remember just, yeah, that experience. I have some vivid memories of like you laying on the bed, um, almost like a corpse and yep. me like being over you trying to like almost in the, a movie scene of like pounding on your chest, like begging you to come back. And this, mm -hmm. this goes into attachment and how I was triggered because I have an anxious attachment. So when you are avoidant, even though that's not a choice, it's a, it's a, autonomic thing you're sure. Sure. to put you in a shutdown um so then I'm like pounding on your chest like grabbing your face just devastated that I feel like you're gone because it truly feels like a death like even though you know they're not going to stay there forever um in, in some relationships maybe you don't know that maybe that's all that your partner has been in or all that your parent has been in um, it's, it's just, it's a heartbreaking state to be in. It's mm -hmm. uh, devastating relationally. It's devastating personally. And I'm just so relieved that we know now that the body needs support and safety to be able to climb back up out of that hole. And it can. Yeah. Cause I would, I'd feel so helpless and powerless of like, I don't know what I'm feeling and I don't know how to stop what I'm feeling like again it was autonomic it wasn't like I chose to shut down it was just like yeah. this is where I'm at I I don't know how to get out of this yeah but yeah but now having language of like oh I'm shut down okay this is my nervous system what does it need okay let's give it a little bit what is it afraid of okay is that true no it was as I'm learning to not be so react my nervous system's learning not to be so reactive it's allowing my frontal lobe to, to come back on lie and say okay let's assess this rather than just the survival brain just running the show um so that language has been so helpful to self-regulate mm -hmm. oh i think it was i remembered what i was going to say before <laughs> something about codependency you're saying you had codependency mm. and you needed to help me and i learned that i was helpless and so needed you to help me yeah and so kind of like that it comes back to the like shutdown I didn't have the confidence or the language even the words that I could do anything mm. so it was almost like you need to save me Lauren mm -hmm. and you didn't have the language so you couldn't save me or you would try and it would just perpetuate that I'm helpless I need Lauren to, to save me but now learning that I'm not helpless I'm not powerless and yes, Lauren's here for me, but I can also empower myself and, and own this and, and help self-regulate. Mm -hmm. And so once I self-regulate, then we can co-regulate and it's not codependency, it's co-regulation. Right. Good word. I'm glad you remembered that. <laughs> that was really good. Um, yeah. I'll just share quickly that shutdown for me has not been a familiar experience. Most of my dysregulation has been sympathetic, but um, in the last several years, I've experienced a lot of um, really debilitating grief and sorrow. And um, I have 
become much more acquainted with shutdown, which I'm, I'm glad I understand it better now for our relationship, because that was something that was more common for you. Um, much less common now of an experience, but I understand it now because I felt it and you can't give words to that. You have to feel it and know how incredibly crippling it is and mm. just utterly um, paralyzing. And so yeah. I, I have, I feel like it's almost like the blinds going down, making the room that was light dark. Mm. Um, I'll even see my eyes will even blur. Like I won't even mm -hmm. be able to focus my eyes when I feel really far down, shut down. I'll just like blur over and all I can see is that blurry um, in a day's vision. Uh, very heavy. My limbs will feel like hundreds of pounds. M any movement feels impossible in deep shutdown. Um, and it's almost like a preparing for death. Like it's almost like it's ending now. Yeah. it's it's over that's the story that you're hearing because of the state that your body's in and it is so so potent and we have so much compassion for you if this is the state you experience and you just remind me that these states also are like on a spectrum like yeah we describe the functioning shutdown person and then we there's also instances where we're you can't get off the bed yeah like it's blurry and so there's spectrums and there's sympathetic spectrum of a raging angry dysregulated person that's off the handle and and somebody that's just anxious a lot mm -hmm. and but you would never know from the outside and I, I, everywhere, right and you're just everywhere in between yeah. um so you just mentioned like that's the story that you're that you're hearing in that state mm -hmm. um Another thing that we really appreciate is the idea of story follow state. So can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, story, story follow state is so, so, so helpful. This, this idea, just memorize that statement and see how it starts to play out in your, in your life. So the story is the narrative that our cognitive brain is believing and where it comes from is the state that we're in. So first the state we're in is the reality. And then from that flows the narrative or the story that we are believing. So this same exact day could be happening, but depending on which state I'm in, I'm going to have a very different story about this day. Hmm. Um, so really quickly, let me think of an example. So the day is, um, I have a lot of meetings. I have to talk to a boss. Um, this is, hypothetical because we're each other's bosses now which is awesome to have a boss that you're in love with that um is super safe and amazing anyways I have this boss I have to go meet with that doesn't make me feel comfortable um my kids are totally acting out and um I'm feeling um and I have uh and I'm in a fight with a friend. So in safe and social, what I might feel about that day is, wow, I've got a lot going on. I'm just going to pace myself. I am capable of doing this and we will see how today goes. So the story from my state is one of, I'm capable. It's a lot. It's kind of overwhelming, but we got this. 
Now the story coming from sympathetic activation is, oh my gosh, this is, this is just utterly overwhelming. I cannot get to this day. Maybe you start getting angry because it feels so frustrating and overwhelming. You feel irritable. Um, this thing with my boss is going to go terrible. I'm probably going to lose my job. This is just ridiculous. These expectations they have on me are so unfair. Uh, my kids are all falling apart. No one has kids like mine. My kids are the worst. There's no way that there's worse kids than mine. And this relationship with my friend, whatever, just screw it. I don't need her anymore. It's not going to work out. So never mind. Forget it. That might be the story that's coming from the state of sympathetic. And then in shutdown, it could be, so again, same day, same scenario. Um, okay. What would shutdown say? Shutdown might say, if you're in deep shutdown, it might say, I'm calling in sick. There's no way that I can do what is before me today. I'm gonna let a million people down but I can not face this day. So that could be one variation. The other could be the more functional shutdown like you were just describing that continuum. And this could be, um, wow, this day is utterly overwhelming. I don't even know where to start. I feel so much brain fog. I feel so out of it. I just don't even feel like myself today, but I'm just gonna, trudge along and go to each of these meetings and finish these appointments. It doesn't matter anyways. It's not going to make a difference. Meeting with my boss isn't going to help anything, but I'm just going to do it. And you know what? I can't even uh, think about my friend. This is just so, so overwhelming uh, to me. I have so much heartbreak here that my friends just cut me off and my kids are a disaster. She doesn't, she doesn't care. She doesn't care about me. Uh, I know that that relationship is just hopeless and my kids are probably gonna all end up being criminals. And, but what's the point? There's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing. I'm totally disempowered and I can't believe this is my life every single day, but this is my life type of story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think those are, Good examples and just giving language of what it might look like. Yeah. Um, I just want to say with that safe and social, it's not about ignoring the reality and just saying living in the clouds and just like everything's hunky dory and beautiful. Yeah, I'm going to get fired today, but ugh, I love getting fired. <laughs> it's like it's not living without reality, it's being in reality, but your body has access to maybe even change that experience or yeah my boss was a jerk before but I'm going to come into this in a different way and talk to him a different way or offer something different and you know, let's see what this happens or maybe I just quit my job and get something where I really enjoy it right maybe I don't have to be in this job anymore right so it's not like everything's going to be fixed it's mm -hmm. I have the power to be cared for and I matter and I, I can become happy yeah and I have that I have the choice to that it's it's that i'm happy yeah i can i can make choices i have autonomy that i can creatively problem solve yeah. and find the life that i need um it's 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 empowered whereas yeah. in sympathetic you're grasping for power and in shutdown you're disempowered so we have a different association with power in all three of the states can you show some of those 
So, um, so we came up with a few just helpful ways of um, using symbols to know our three states. So think about what comes to your mind when you hear the three states, because that will help you remember it more. So safe and social, when you use just a hand representing the nervous system or the body even, safe and social is like an open, receptive, um, non-tense hand. Sympathetic is a tightly squeezed fist that is all tense and all, uh, I'm trying to think of another adjective, tense, just, we'll just say tense. Yeah. And then shut down is a very limp, um, untense, uh, flaccid hand. So safe and social, um, here, I'll turn it this way, Sh uh, sympathetic, is the fist and then shut down. And that's been a helpful uh, for people to grasp that better. Another one is weather. I don't think this was original to us. Um, sunny with some clouds, that's safe and social. Stormy is sympathetic. And then fog, a thick fog is shut down. So that's another way uh, using, using imagery. And even you can say like, who I feel like I am in each state. So you can make this, accustom this to yourself. Like maybe in safe and social, I'm like superwoman. And then in sympathetic, I'm Hulk. And then in shutdown, who could shutdown be? <laughs> I picked something I know nothing about. Why did I pick superheroes? <laughs> I don't know who shutdown would be. Yeah, basically uh, a, a paralyzed yeah. in a coma superhero, we'll say. Captain um, America, when he was frozen okay <laughs> there, there you go <laughs> moral of the story you can accustom it you can customize the states in your mind with symbols and that will help you remember um so yeah that was a lot it's a lot and um as we wrap up i just want to give a little bit of a few tools yeah. of um what to do in these states and so everybody's body is different so you're going to have to play with them and figure out what works for your body and there's tons and tons of resources on youtube um, of just like nervous system regulation practices and you'll be flooded um, but basically in sympathetic you want to try to use the energy so you want to try to regulate the nervous system so um, you could start trying to do some deep breathing and just slowing your breathing down intentionally mm -hmm. and as you're doing that noticing trying to becoming aware of the body sensations so as you're breathing where do you feel a tightness okay breathe out that tightness um just become aware of where you're at, where your body's feeling things um just attune to it um you can put your hand on your stomach and your chest you can't really see it on the video but just one hand on your stomach one hand on your chest and just Feel the moving of your chest and your stomach as you're breathing and just hold it and just notice what that feels like as you're breathing and as you're holding your stomach and your chest. And that can be just be re very regulating. You're just becoming more embodied and more attuned to your body. Mm -hmm. um, and you're slowing things down and you're bringing safety. And that touch, your body doesn't interpret physical touch any differently when you touch yourself than it does when you're like being hugged by a loved one or being held by a loved one. Um, the, that comforting hold self, like another one is maybe one arm, hand on your armpit, one on your shoulder, 
and you just feel that squeeze of yourself, that mm -hmm. hug, because you're communicating safety to your body. And so for a shutdown, a shutdown, your body needs kind of a jump start. So it actually needs energy. And so struggle with this is a lot of times you feel shut down. So you don't feel like going and jumping mm -hmm. around. Mm -hmm. So a, a simple thing is just trying to give slight pressure somewhere. So even if you're sitting in the chair, you're just like putting slight pressure into your feet and just notice the pressure and the connection between your feet and the floor and what that feels like on your feet. What does it feel like in your calves? What does it feel like in your knees? And just moving up, what does it feel like in your thighs? How's that connection moving up your body? Um, and you can even, you can, and this may put some pressure with your hands too. And so you're just connect, noticing the connection of, okay, my elbows are also on the chair. My hands are pushing up against each other. So you feel that pressure and you're just noticing where you can put a little bit of pressure and where there's maybe a little connection with the couch, with the floor, with the seat, and just giving a little bit of pressure into it. And then you're noticing what is that pressure change or shift in your body. And you're just being curious and you're just noticing. Just check in with those parts that are touching something and just notice, is this bringing you up? Is this, are you feeling more alive? Is your thoughts becoming more clear? Are you, do you have more access to your voice? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause yeah. once you start to get moving in, in shutdown, like once you do bring in that tiny bit of movement, like you're talking about, then you'll feel a little bit more access to bring in more. So maybe then grab your favorite playlist and put that on and just start rocking or swaying, or maybe then you're like, okay, I feel like I could walk around the block or uh, maybe I'm going to go get a, a cool drink that will, will stimulate my body back to life. So you want that for the hardest part is that first step when you're fro when you're paralyzed. Once you can, like Luke's saying, even if it's just pressure into the bed or into the floor, once you can start getting that ball of movement going rolling down the hill, then you can do something else that will help to awaken and create more soothing for that shutdown place. Yep. More active, uh, more aliveness bringing in more life to that well and there is a kind of activity because in shutdown in order to get to safe and social you have to go through sympathetic mm -hmm. and so in your shutdown you might become angry you're like mm -hmm. i thought i was supposed to go to safe and social but actually <laughs> if you shut down you start feeling angry it's okay i'm going through it sympathetic okay so now what do i need so now i need to use that energy mm -hmm. um right so another thing with with if you're doing that you might just move your arms. If you feel like you fight something, just move your arms. If you feel like you need to run, move, move your legs. Yeah. And notice I'm angry and I'm moving my arms. That connection of that emotion and that movement helps your body express the energy that I said gets stuck. Because being in shutdown, energy might be stuck. But it's then as you are regulating yourself up, your body is getting access to that emotion. And saying, okay, if if you want to do this, let's do this. So I'm angry. Okay, I'm angry. And I'm letting go of those. I'm releasing that energy. And just notice how that changes and how the sensations you get. And see if you get access to that hope and safe and social. Um, this all takes practice. This takes time. This takes awareness. This takes curiosity. This takes compassion. 
um, we're all in process mm-hmm. and at different points in our journey. So just be patient with yourself and just explore and be curious. And if something doesn't work, don't be like, oh, my body's broken. It's like, oh, that doesn't work. There's hundreds of other practices to do that will they'll work. You just need to find what it needs for your body. Just like your body found adaptations to survive before that are no longer working and needs to find another way to survive and feel safe. Yeah. All right. Well, that is a lot of information mm-hmm. and don't feel like you need to get it all the first time through. Just mm-hmm. whatever stuck with you, take it, run with it, process it. But it was, as you can see, a, a passionate topic for both of us. <laughs> and it is, yeah. there's books and books and books and videos on that stuff. So we didn't cover everything, mm-hmm. um, but just an introduction. Yeah, hopefully to, it's hopefully it's helpful for you guys. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back and look forward to the future episodes. So keep listening. We got a lot more stuff coming. While it is a joy to provide our podcast content as a source of life enrichment, please note that information shared is not intended to replace or contradict any professional therapy or medical advice.